You are listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast by The Crossing on how to live into God's bigger story. Hi, welcome to A Bigger Life. I am Dave Cover. We're going to look today at Psalm 20. Now, it's a quick little eight verse, nine verse, actually, psalm. Uh, and it may be one of these psalms that doesn't get marked up much in your Bible. But I want to look at it today because there are some, I think, really powerful verses in here if we understand the double meaning of what we're reading. Uh, to explain that, I need to explain something I've explained before. But when we read the Psalms of David, David is an important Christ figure in the Bible. Theologians call him a type of Christ. In other words, a type of Christ is something that shows us a picture of who the Messiah is going to be and in some sense fulfills a certain role of the Messiah in his life or in its function. So a type of Christ would be the temple. A type of Christ would be the Passover lamb. There's something about these that show a function of what the Messiah is going to do. He's going to be the presence of God on earth, heaven on earth, heaven returning to earth. He's going to be the sacrifice for God's wrath. And David is a type of Christ in the sense that his kingship, he's an imperfect picture of the perfect. He's an imperfect picture of who would be called the son of David, the the descendant of David that is the ultimate king, the ultimate the Hebrew word is Messiah. The Greek word is Christ. When we call, when the New Testament is calling Jesus Christ, it's referring to him as the Messiah and specifically as the son of David. The Messiah that was promised would be on the throne of David forever when God made that covenant with David in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And so it's important to realize that a lot of times when David writes certain lines in the Psalms, they have a double meaning. They have a type of Christ kind of meaning. There's a telescoping kind of prophecy to them. They're, they're true then. They have a meaning for David then, but they telescope in a sense that there's a fuller, more perfect meaning in prophecy. And it's not necessarily intended by David to be prophecy, but intended by the Holy Spirit to be prophecy. David speaking as a Christ figure, speaking as a foreshadowing type of Christ, as imperfect as David obviously was. A good example of what I'm talking about is when Jesus quotes a Psalm of David. He, in Matthew chapter 22, verse 41, I'm just going to read this passage because it's significant to what I think is a helpful understanding of the Psalms that I think will help you have a broader picture of how the Psalms lead us to a bigger picture of Christ and a bigger picture of what Christ has done for us. So David is the subject of Jesus's conversation with the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 22, verse 41. He says, Matthew says, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, what do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? The son of David, they replied. So the very first verse of the gospel of Matthew, Matthew 1, 1, he says, Matthew says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David. And so this is this is Jesus's term. It's a term for Jesus, the son of David. When when uh, in Matthew nine twenty seven, the two blind men are on the side of the road and they're calling out, "Have mercy on us, son of David." So Jesus, being aware that he is the son of David, that is the Christ figure, and these Pharisees know that the Bible says the Messiah will be the son of David. 
And there's a thousand years between David and Jesus. So the Bible has no problem calling somebody a son of somebody, even though they're a thousand years apart. Because son means more than just an immediate descendant. So Jesus asked, what do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? The son of David, they replied. He said to them, how is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? For he says, and now he's going to quote a Psalm of David, Psalm 110, verse 1. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. Jesus quotes that and then says, if then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one could say a word in reply, and from that day on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Now, Jesus is doing a big Jesus juke here, right? He's, he's taking what he knows to be true of the Psalms of David, and he says, David, speaking by the Spirit, when David wrote the Psalms, Jesus said he was writing, speaking by the Holy Spirit. David's writing Psalms, but Jesus has said while he's writing, the Holy Spirit is inspiring his words. That's why that's the word of God. How then is it David, speaking by the Spirit, calls the son of David Lord? And he quotes the psalm, and he says, if, if David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? He's talking here about a meaning that David may not have even understood when he was writing it, that is prophesying that his son is going to be his Lord. Now, maybe David did understand it. God obviously had told David in Second Samuel 7 a lot of things about the covenant he was making and that his son would be the Messiah and what that meant. So maybe David did know. But in some sense, the people hadn't quite figured out how these Psalms of David sometimes pointed to Jesus in ways that they had not thought of before. And I think that's what we see, all of this, all of this to say. I think that's what we see in Psalm 20. It's a Psalm of David. It seems pretty basic at first until you start to read some of the things that it's actually saying. And verse 1 says, this is David, May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. Now, what's Zion? I think Zion is this presence of God on earth. And I think that's exactly what Jesus was when he was born. And I think David is saying things here. He means what he says, and they are, they are apt to the point he's making in the psalm, but they have a bigger meaning. The name of the God of Jacob. God is going to answer us. He's going to send help from Zion, help from the presence, the very throne of God. Verse 5, may we shout for joy over your salvation. And then he says in verse 6, now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. His anointed there is talking about, I think David is talking about himself. He is the anointed. He has been anointed king. But the Christ is also the anointed, the ultimate anointed one. He is the ultimate Messiah. David may or may not know what he's saying here when it relates to the Messiah. Sometimes he has there's prophetic imagery in these Psalms that even is beyond David's knowledge. That may be happening here. But he says, now I know that Yahweh saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Now that's saying what he was saying up here. May the Lord answer you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion, from holy heaven. May God send from heaven. May we shout for joy 
over your salvation. Now I know that Yahweh saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Now this is a lot of Messiah kind of language, salvation from God, by God kind of language. I think it's a prophecy of Jesus' resurrection. He's going to save his Christ, his Messiah. He's going to answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand, and God is going to raise Jesus from the dead. Verse 7, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord, Yahweh, our God. I think this is, again, a prophecy of what ultimately is going to be God's salvation for us through himself, through David's son, the anointed, the true king, the true Messiah, being sent from Zion, sent from heaven to save, to bring salvation. And he himself is going to do that by being saved, raised from the dead by the right hand of God. So you can trust in your chariots, you can trust in horses, you can trust in all these things. These are good resources, but they're really bad gods. I'm going to trust in the name of Yahweh, our God, to save. I'm going to trust in Yahweh, rely on Yahweh, not my resources, not the things that I do to save myself, not the things that I do to be solutions to my problems. Those are great resources. There's nothing wrong with chariots and horses. David utilized them many times. He's not denouncing resources. He's denouncing making resources our God, making resources what we trust in, making people who we trust in instead of Yahweh our God to save us through Christ. And here's where he says, verse 8, and again, I think this is a prophetic imagery even beyond David's knowledge. They collapse and fall, the horses and chariots. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. I think that kind of language, rising and standing, obviously meant something to David. And I don't know that he was prophesying here specifically of the son of David rising from the dead, but often his words by the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus says in Psalm 110, verse 1, had meaning beyond perhaps what David knew. By the Holy Spirit, God is providing clues. God is providing foreshadowing images. And the reason why that's important to us now, we know the rest of the story. This is not like a prophecy for us as if we're going to learn something we didn't know. But what these verses do for me is that they show me the bigger story my life has always been in. God has always had this bigger story of salvation in mind, and I want to be in it. I don't want to trust in horses and chariots and all the horses and chariots of our day. I don't want to trust in any of the human solutions. Human solutions can be great resources. God gives us a brain to invent things that are huge help, but they are terrible messiahs. They are terrible salvations. Only Christ is the Messiah. And when I see this bigger story that is even prophesied a thousand years before it happened in Jesus, it lets me know that this multi-thousand year story that is unfolding in human history is the larger story of my life. The however many years, the however many decades of my life is inside this larger story. God is sending from Zion to save the name of God. And I shout for joy over God's salvation. And his salvation is found in the son of David, his anointed. And he saves 
even his anointed after death, his anointed will break through the other side and he will save with his mighty right hand and God will bring salvation. And so I trust in the salvation of God. Every other will collapse and fall, but we rise and we stand upright because we are in the Messiah, his anointed, who has risen from the dead. And this is my story. This is my future. It is a psalm about David now in his life 3,000 years ago, and it's a psalm about my life now here in the year it is, but it's also a foreshadowing of the ultimate fulfillment of this psalm, and that is the resurrection that comes through Jesus, my resurrection that comes when God sends from Zion to save me, and when God is my salvation, and I shout for joy. So let's just take a moment right now and pray these verses. These are great verses just to meditate on and put our mind in, to give, to recalibrate, to reboot our perspective vertically, to see our horizontal lives in the vertical, bigger story that our life is in. Let me lead you in a time of prayer to do that right now. Oh, Yahweh, the I am. You are the He is. You are the I am. You are everything I need. You are the source of everything that gives life, that gives joy, that is love. You are my belonging. You are my security because you have always intended to save me, to save me by your anointed, to save me by the ultimate son of David, to save me by the Christ, the Messiah, the true king. I want Jesus to be my king. You save from heaven, you save from Zion, and I shout for joy over my salvation in the Messiah, in Christ. I shout for joy over your salvation for me in Christ. Because the Lord saves. He sends from heaven and he saves by his mighty right hand. You saved Jesus by your mighty right hand by raising him from the dead. And the moment you did that, the moment you did that, my story changed forever. Suddenly my life took on eternal meaning. Suddenly your salvation had already begun for me. Suddenly, I can trust in you, and I don't have to trust in chariots and horses because they're great resources, but they will always fall, always fall in the end and collapse. But I trust in the name of Yahweh, the I Am. I trust in your name, Lord. I trust in you as my salvation, my restoration, my future, my righteousness. I trust in you that I will rise and I will stand upright forever in your presence on a restored earth, a resurrected earth with a resurrected humanity in joy and love, togetherness, without jealousy, without envy, without sin, without pride, I will rise and I will stand because Jesus has risen from the dead. And so I trust in your name, the I am. I trust in your name, the God that created this universe. I trust in your name, the author of life. I trust in your name. 
You are my salvation. Everything else will collapse and fall. But because of Jesus, already rising from the dead, I too will rise and I will stand forever. Thank you for your salvation. I give thanks to you that today you are my salvation. Today you are the salvation of God from heaven. Today I can take all of my concerns and I can lift them to you and I give them to you because you have been forever in the past always planning to save me. I can trust you. I can rely on you. I don't trust in horses and chariots. I trust in you. Believe you. Your word will be proved true. Your word is trustworthy and true. And so I believe your word. I live today believing your word. Right now I rest in believing that you are my salvation. Believing that I will rise and I will stand forever. Believing that Christ has already done it. And I praise you and worship you and submit to you and trust you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.